0: Good morning, church. Goodbye, little church. <laughs> They're off to do something more fun than listen to me, and I do not blame them at all. Good morning, everybody. Great to see so many smiling faces and happy kiddos in the whole nine yards. You too, Steve? <laughs> Hold down the fort, watch the bag. Not a boy. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to do it. It's great to be here. Uh, if you've been joining us uh, recently, online or in person, we've been moving through the Sermon on the Mount, and we just wrapped up last week, uh, Chapter 5. You'll notice, uh, this week there's a break in the middle. If you're familiar with this, the break, the what we're skipping today, is pretty well-known Scripture, and you're probably thinking, why are we skipping it? Well, it's because uh, Jesus, in His wisdom, puts before and after the Lord's Prayer, a very similar messaging which I think paints a, a picture about what the Lord's Prayer in many regards is intended to do for us. But that'll be for next week. But today we're going to skip the Lord's Prayer proper and, and preach and preach from both, both sides of that. Uh, very, very well-known, very, very famous prayer. It's interesting how both of these scriptures come together. It might feel like maybe the Lord's Prayer was put in there too early or something. Well, you'll see perhaps why it wasn't. Um, but also you'll see that how when, when we understand... When we understand when it comes to things like prayer, and we'll talk about giving, and we'll talk about sacrifice and fasting, things like that, the focus on making it for God alone really paints a picture of what that prayer was intended to do. The the, the very, very famous Lord's Prayer designed to teach us to pray in a way to give all glory to God and not ourselves. With that said, let's go ahead and dive in. We'll read together. If you've got your Bible, great. Um, If not... uh, Please follow along on the the, uh, screen with us. We'll be in uh, Matthew 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And your, father sees in, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Lord, in many regards here, these words are very clear, very concise. I pray as we dive into this that we'll be um, open-minded, uh, re- receptive to your Spirit's leading in these words. Words that may be very familiar to us, and in some regards... Pretty straightforward and easy to understand, Lord, but uh, like every passage that we've studied, there is a lot of depth and a lot of, of intricate nuance, perhaps, it's worth our time and study, Lord. So I'm thankful for this passage today, and thankful for our time together in study. So, to your sense, i pray. Amen. All right, so you probably noticed the jump I spoke about. We'll give the Lord's Prayer its own sermon. So if you think we're skipping the Lord's Prayer, I just want to reiterate, we are not skipping it. We are just going to uh, narrow, or talk about it very narrowly next week. Mike will be doing that, actually. Uh, Not to hype that sermon up too much, but it's a big one. (laughs) But the passages before and after the prayer are today's focus. Interestingly, they focus on similar behavior. I find these things interesting because uh, uh, much like when I talk naturally, perhaps, I might have a little bit of a, a sidebar. Here's a good example of something. Anyway, where was I? Let's go back. This is kind of what Jesus is doing here. But the context for the Lord's Prayer is noteworthy. So as we're studying this today, keep in the back of your head that after the chunk of Scripture we're talking about prayer is the Lord's Prayer. And then he goes on to talk a little bit about fasting. So we're going to talk about all these things, but just just imagine and and remember for yourself that, yeah, in the middle of this is the Lord's Prayer. That's, That's interesting and probably worth noting. We must be, not act. I've mentioned this notion several times leading up today. A lot of what we're seeing Christ calling us to do here is not to act a certain way. Not to act nice, act giving, act prayerful, act like you love your enemy. Act meek, don't do that. We want to actually be these things. We want to be meek. We want to be nice, loving towards our enemies. We want to be these sorts of things. And today Jesus actually calls this acting out as problematic. The examples that he gives... Are, are, are really on the nose. He's talking about the hypocrites that do these things. These are the folks that are acting. Also important to note is we're not called to avoid these practices. It's not, if you can't, if you can't pray the right way, then don't do it at all. It's do it the right way, please. Fast, do it the right way. Give, give the right way. There is no option to not give. Give to not pray, to not fast, to not sacrifice, if you will, but we are called to practice them God's way. Sometimes when these things get difficult, it's easy to say, you know, I'm just not a good, I don't, I don't know how to pray, so I just don't do it. I, I always flub it up, or, or I, I, I start making it about myself, and I screw it up, so I just avoid prayer. Do not avoid prayer. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, and the reason these scriptures are here are to encourage us to know that it's not a series of steps uh, What we're called to do here is not to be great orators and massive vocabularists. And look at all the things and the wise words that this person's spouting off in prayer. That's not the goal. But the goal is actually to know that we are talking to God the Father in a way that we should be talking to God the Father, which would be however we feel we're going to talk to God the Father. Beware. So I'd say there's pretty stout repercussions for this behavior. And it's covered right in the very first verse. Straight out of the gates, practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Now, that's the very important context. Practicing your righteousness before other people is not problematic. As a matter of fact, you should do so. You should act in all things righteous, regardless of who you're in front of. You should be acting righteous. You should be practicing your righteousness. But if you're doing it in order to be seen By them, that's different. So what we're talking about is not the act itself, but the driver, the intent, the motive. Have you ever talked to any kind of an investigator or detective that's trying to figure out a crime? They're trying to figure out who did it. One of the big factors is motive. Who's motivated to do it? And to figure out the motive, they first have to figure out who would benefit from this thing that's happening. And then you can work backwards to figure out this person had the motive and they had the means and this, that, and the other. In this case, what we're talking about is when you see somebody acting righteous, when you yourself are acting righteous, Christ is calling you to be a little bit of a detective here. What's your motive? Is it for you? Do you want to do this in order to be seen by them? Are you wearing a a, a tall hat in a flowing white robe and riding around in a vehicle that's bulletproof, for instance, (laughs) in order to be seen by them? Is that something you're doing? Well, that's probably not a good reason to be righteous. You should be practicing your righteousness before other people for God alone. Well, I don't know how to do that. If I'm not getting the feedback that I'm acting righteous, what am I supposed to do? That is why we are here, church. And one of the repercussions, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. No reward. Now, I want to be clear about this. We could debate this as being a salvation-related, but I I think what we're seeing is the reward that you would get would be the bonus in heaven. Right? The, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, if you're not saved... Practicing righteousness is absurd. You can't be righteous without salvation. So some of this is, is the, the, the goal here is you've got righteousness, and you're trying to figure out what to do with it and how to benefit from it. What we want to figure out, what we're supposed to, to reason out of these passages is that what we want is a reward from our Father who is in heaven. I want that. That is so much better than a reward from those that are around me. The praise, the accolades, the attaboys. I like that stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sit up here and be a hypocrite and say, I hate it when somebody says, great job, Chris. I love hearing that. It is nice to hear that. But that is not my motivation. I am not in this pulpit today to hear attaboys, except from my Father who is in heaven. That's it. Seems pretty wide-ranging. Yes, it is very broad. Righteousness. Anything, (laughs) these are wide-ranging terms, anything to do to practice your righteousness cannot be for your worldly benefit. It ought not be. It must not be. It cannot be. The concept seems easy, but it is nuanced. It is tricky. When we are called to be a certain way in front of the world, but we're called not to be that certain way for a certain reason... It can make your head a little bit like, oh, gosh, I just don't even know. This is the type of thing that church can help with. If you wonder why Christ does not in the Bible say, in all these things I give unto you to hone and study and think about yourself in quiet forever and go practice them alone, that's not there for a reason. There will be questions. There will be concerns. I'm struggling with this. I want to be involved in this, but it's, I feel like all I want to do is win I want to start a softball ministry, but, you know, I, I'm just too competitive. Then don't start a softball ministry. Well, But we need one. Then find somebody else who's not as competitive to help you do that. But if you know that certain types of righteousness can't be practiced by you very well, you have a hard time keeping your, your sights in the right place, then let's work on that. I'm starting here, and I'm going to end in the same way. Spoiler alert, because w- when we talk about doing these things, it's easy to sit in a pulp and say, this is the right answer. Now get better, church. Please get better. When I say get better, church, I'm yelling at the mirror. It's me. We are the church. Together we'll do these things better with God in and through and all around it. So the first example he gives is giving. <laughs> Give without celebration of your own gift. It seems, Clever, once again, we want the accolades. I, 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 can, I can tell you honestly, I like accolades. I like them. The reason Christ is warning against us is because it's natural to want to do that. It's also natural to want to give that to others. When somebody does a good job, it's reasonable to go up to them and say, well done, well done. We do have a hand in the things that we do. The giving is we are participating in that. I want to make it very clear here. This isn't God takes my wallet out and dispenses money from it. And Well, there you go. See, God, it's all God, not me. Nope, the plate comes by. I walk up. I go put it in the slot. Whatever I'm going to do, I do that. But why am I doing that? Plenty of people get lauded for their selflessness. <laughs> the irony, right? Wow. This person is such a giver that we're going to... Uh, let them know how little they care about themselves by celebrating them with themselves. Church, we can spin this any number of ways. Any number of ways we want to. Well, I'm not really celebrating my giving, but I did. You know, I would like a certificate saying that I was the top giver. You know, I, I gave that big lump sum, and I wanted to go over here, and I think it's reasonable that my name's on a plaque up there. We could, we could go back and forth in this, in this way, but it's a bad idea. The moment we try to make it about us in any way at all, we now tread into very, very slippery, dangerous territory that is not going to end well. What we're going to do is try to use it maybe to encourage others to give more. Give more like so-and-so. Has anybody that's got siblings ever heard, why can't you be more like your brother? Or heard maybe them say that to another sibling? Why do we do that? Well, here's an example of something that's good. You act like them. It's easy. I don't need to even describe why this is good. Just know that this is good and you're not this. So rather than me actually getting better or being thoughtful about my giving or understanding or communicating to you why I'm giving, I'm feeling pressure to give because the others that are giving a certain amount are being held in such high esteem. Fundraisers, money drives, all these sorts of things can get really, really caught up in this mess of one upsmanship. So, what should we do? Secrecy is the order of the day. These aren't my words. I'm not saying secrecy like, hey, church, here's a, new, here's a new idea. Keep it a secret. This is right here in the Word. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so your giving may be in secret. Your giving may be in secret. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This is secret, but it's not deceptive. Now, this is another very slippery slope. Lying about your righteousness in order to keep it a secret is a bad idea. That would be false humility. That's me saying that didn't happen when it did. That's me saying I'm not sure, I don't know who gave that when I do know. We can be honest about our giving without being boastful. If you do something If you decide it's time to get a new, I want to get some picnic tables in this area, and I go to the church membership or the eldership and I say, I'd like to purchase some picnic tables. And uh, the elders say, That's a a wonderful idea. And that would be great. And you do so. And you say, Just call it an anonymous gift. Please. I really don't want to be associated with it. No problem. We will not tell anybody that you did that. Tables come up. Who bought this? We're not we're not at liberty to say the person that gave acid or they remain anonymous. That is a respectable thing. If somebody then finds out because they find a receipt or someone that saw you buy them at Menard says, "I know who bought those," and it was uh, you know it was this person over here? And you're like, "Well, guilty discharge? Yes, I did. I bought the tables. Well, why do you want to keep it a secret? Ah, there is a wonderful door because I don't want to have conversations about generosity. I thought it was something that was needed. I decided to do it, and that's what it is. This was a gift to the church. Thus, a gift for God. It was never about me, and I want to make sure that it was focused on how good God is to provide for the things that we need as a congregation. We give thanks to Him, not to me. That's not boasting, but it is honest. That's a fine thing to do. In everything we talk about today, that's a common theme. When we give in secret... We're not always in control of what remains a secret. Now, our conversations with God, we may think they're a secret, but someone was recording it. Oh, no. Oh, okay. It's no longer a secret. Let's talk. But my mindset was to keep it a secret. If our approach is that this is not something we want to announce, everybody, thanks to me, the picnic tables have arrived. Well, thanks to you. Well, let's give him a hand, everybody. He did it. You know, let's go ahead and put your name on a brass plate on the end of the table and let everybody know this is a gift from Chris. And Well, I know it's literally the like, second. I don't want any praise and it's not about me, but I really do like the color of that plaque and I'm polishing it as a list. It's not a big deal. I mean, who scuffed this up anyway? You can't even read my name. Like, this is no, the world sees that and says, oh, you look like everybody else now. That's exactly how everybody does everything. You buy something nice, you want to know. Thank you for me. You get wedding gifts, there's a card. What do we do when we read the card? We send a thank you note. And people want their thank you note. I didn't get a thank you note. I didn't give you the gift for the thank you note, but a thank you would have been nice. Anybody ever heard that? A thank you would have been nice. When you hear that, when I've said that, it's because really what I want is to hear a thank you. I did the nice thing so I can feel good about myself, and you're a part of making me feel good. In this example, in these examples, the feel good we get is not from other people telling us thank you, telling us way to go, because what do they know? What we want is a reward in heaven. And if I hear nothing from my secret gift, then I can trust that at the end of all of this, there's going to be a thank you from my Father in heaven. That's the one that counts. Example number two prayer. Giving's an easy one, I think. Giving's an easy one. The world likes to give. And the world likes to get back prayer. Now we're getting into interesting territory. Prayer is not something the world really cares about. There's really no version of prayer in the world. But Christ covers this. Do not pray. Don't pray like a hypocrite. There's no need to pray publicly as a proof of your holiness. I say this is, was, very common, and the world will respond. Big, loud, boastful or a big, loud, accusatorial prayers. Ones that are very evocative and emotional. And, and Where you're calling out specific things and you're really preaching to people or about people. But you're saying things like, Father God, intermittently. So it sounds like I'm talking to God. But what I'm really doing is complaining. What I'm really doing is letting everybody know that I know what's going on and it's not good. And I want to communicate to you what's going on in my head. My feelings and my thoughts. Right? Where I stand on issues, and I'm going to cloak it as if I'm talking to God. But in reality, if God wasn't listening, this prayer would be every bit as effective. The problem with this style of preaching is they may respond to you and not God. I don't know how to spin it other than false teaching. If I stand and claim that I'm representing God and then I rail on societal issues to get people to agree with me and give me a couple of amens on issues that have nothing to do with who God is or the good news of the gospel, it's not, it's not that it's a bad, bad thing to have a stance on issues, but it's a bad thing to take those things and cloak them underneath God. Hey, I'm going to go pray now. Who wants to listen to this prayer? Oh, God, do I dislike this, that, and the other, and I'm tired of the people that are standing against us this way. Oh, amen, oh, yeah, it's right. He's saying the things we're all thinking, and he's saying them right to God, so that's got to be good. This was a problem then, and it was a problem now. Taking political ideas, taking power plays, burying them inside of a prayer, sprinkling it with a lot of Scripture and niceties, things that everybody wants to hear in a prayer, things that are very biblical in many regards then you sign in a couple, of other, a couple of other ideas and suddenly this prayer is becoming about me and what I want people to know about me and not about God. So what do we do? Well, We'll really get into how to pray next week. <laughs> not to put that off again, but the Lord's prayer, Christ actually gives us a verbatim example of how to pray. He doesn't do that for giving necessarily, uh, nor for fasting, but he does for prayer. An actual how-to manual. But suffice to say, our prayers are for God alone. If we want to be sure we're talking with God, let's be alone with God. Christ's example here is uh, I, I, it's shocking to me because I find it so counter to many of the prayers that I've ever heard in my life. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. <laughs> Go into your room, shut the door. That's you. That's you and God in there. Now, God's everywhere. Yes, I'm not trying to say when you do this, you've brought God into the room. God's in the room. But in your mind, it's you and God. There's nobody else to talk to. There's nobody else to hear your words. There's nobody else to convince. You take all of that away. If you want to be sure you're talking with God, get alone with God. You might think, well, that's all. I don't need to be alone to God. I agree with that. You can be on a crowded airplane. You can be on a bus. You can be walking through a mall and pray to God. Absolutely you can. But if you're praying aloud, and you're really praying aloud, where people are starting to notice you, you may fall victim to a temptation if they're listening to what I'm saying. I better say something interesting. I better say something that doesn't sound too crazy. I better not sound like a whiner. I don't want to sound like a fundamentalist. I don't want to sound like a you know, a, a, a pro-this or an anti-that when I pray. I wanna, And pretty soon we stop thinking about what we're going to try to say to God, our honesty, our, the truth of our prayer, the core of us, what God already knows about the condition of our heart. And we start trying to cover that up and smooth it out so that the people that hear us pray think what we want them to think. Can we pray publicly? Well, the answer better be yes because we've done it a few times today. Yes, of course we can pray publicly, but we must be careful. We must be careful about what we pray for, who we pray for, and how we pray for them. This is very, very critical. Example number three, fasting. I'd say fasting is a lost art in our world today, but it's a great example. We don't practice fasting necessarily as a a regular cadence. We don't like fast during a point in the service. It's not like prayer or giving. Uh, Fasting is definitely a would be, especially in our world today, because of context, a personal thing by design. But if you substitute any serious sacrifice for fasting, this example holds up well. This would have been, in Christ's time, a very well-known sacrifice. Not eating was a big deal. It was a different world than today, right, where people didn't overstuff themselves regularly, especially the folks that maybe he was preaching to. Royalty, they were different, of course. The rich were the rich. But everybody else was really hand-to-mouth all the time. So to take some time off of eating, you felt it immediately. You notice it straight away. And what, what, what Christ is talking about is avoiding this notion of, of putting on airs. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Right? So this is oh so hungry. Woe is me! I sure I'm hungry. Must be nice to have extra time. If we pivot away from fasting, these other words start to take a different tone. I want you to know I'm very busy at the church. I do a lot around here. Must be nice to have all that time off. Must be nice to have Sunday mornings free. You. you know all these very subtle barbs to let everybody around you know that I was here. I was putting in the time. I was sacrificing. But church sacrifice for our own benefit is not sacrifice at all. <laughs> when I go to Walmart, I don't sacrifice $100 for groceries. I pay $100 for groceries. That's not a sacrifice. Now, nobody says that it is. I know people are like, what are you talking about? But when it comes to things like other bits of sacrifice we say are for God, what we really are doing is paying for something, and what we want in return is accolades from our peers, from the from brethren of the church, from the world outside. I want people to know what our church has done for the community. Now, if we do something for the community and the community chooses to recognize us for that, that's fine. Much like the giving thing. Hey, it was never about us. We just want the community to know that we love them as God loves us, and, and we want to be a part of this and we're in this together. Great. But if we do something to get the community to like us better, then we are not sacrificing anything. We are paying for a service rendered. So, what do we do? Once again, go above the call to hide that sacrifice. I say above the call to hide because what we see here is Christ actually saying, in some regards, act like you are not fasting. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. You're fasting, you don't look very good, you're dirty, you're tired, you're hungry. You're probably not feeling well. You're probably gaunt. Skin color, not very good. You haven't eaten a drink. Uh, you know, what's he saying to do? You? Anoint your head. Fix your hair. Wash your face. Don't lean into the fasting. Don't come in looking, oh, man, my stomach's is killing me. I've been fasting, you guys. Oh, really? Well, good for you. Oh, no, please. I, I shouldn't be saying it at all, but I just want you to know why I don't look well today. Christ's saying, don't even look like you're trying to fast. Do it up. Fix your hair. Wash your face. Put on something nice. Act like you're just not doing a single thing. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. Once again, this isn't to deceive. This isn't to trick somebody into thinking that you're not fasting when you were. How could you trick me? Who cares about that? There's, there's no, no need to de- deceive about this. But it ensures in our sacrifices for God alone. If I don't have anybody telling me what a great believer I am because of my actions, clearly, my gosh, you just look so terrible. Well, it's all sacrifice for God. Can I come up and say something about my sacrifice? God, I'd really like to. Oh, please do. Come up and share your testimony or your witness, whatever we call. The things we do as a church are try to make ourselves feel better about the stuff we're supposed to be doing for God alone. It's nonsense. If we are asked, we can tell. But if we're not asked, even better. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others. Christ is saying, try not to look like you're fasting. Don't double down on it. Try to hide it. Now, if someone sees through it or realizes, hey, we've been out to eat the last couple days. You haven't eaten anything. I'm in the middle of a fast. Well, really? How long have you been? I haven't eaten in four days. You're kidding me. Why? I'm spending all, every time I get hungry, I spend my time reading the word or in prayer. It's been really good. It's been really good for me. Uh, It really helped me focus on God and his glory and greatness. And it uh, kind of pulled me out of some doldrums in my life. But, you know, it's, it's worth checking out. Like, well, we ought to tell everybody about it. It's like, no, I won't be doing that, right? I'll point you to the scripture, but I'm not going to tell you about my experience because it's between me and God. Well, that changes the game completely. Well, I can't piggyback on that. I can't. Well, you don't even want me to tell anybody about it? I'd rather you didn't. It's not because it's a secret, but it's because it's something I'm trying to keep between God and I. This is a personal fast. This is for, for God's glory not for my benefit. I'm benefiting, but that's not fundamentally why I'm doing it. Even better. I guess, let's not bother. If we're asked, we can tell. But if we're not asked, even better. All right, points to ponder. Give as if you're giving to God alone. Pray as if you're praying to God alone. Now, I changed uh, fasting to sacrifice for the points here. But sacrifice as if you're sacrificing for God alone. And then lastly, know that your rewards are yet to come. Know that. Okay, give as if you're giving to God alone. So to be clear, this is no sermon on the amount. It's a joke I heard a long time ago and I love it. This isn't an notion about I need, we got, we got to be given more. No, 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 no. we got to be giving the right way. We as a church keep giving secret for this very reason. If we ran a tote board... It might change the way giving works. I don't know. But it certainly wouldn't be a good thing for the church. Because all of a sudden you get into this place where it's like, well, I'm not really giving because I want to contribute to the mission of the church or I think I'm called to do this as an act of worship. I'm giving because I want to see my name in the top five. The color's changing. The font's a bit bigger. I like the look of that. That's good for me and my family. So let's get it in there. Well, I'm going to sacrifice a bit more to bump my name up the list. This seems trivial, right? Like, who would do that? Well, you'd be surprised. Uh, The stories that church leadership could tell you about giving gone wrong would probably make your head spin. As well as if if God was not sovereign and wasn't aware of all that, it'd be the same thing. Lots of double takes. If you cannot give without something in return, it's not giving. Give is uh, the notion of being without something. If I get something back, I didn't really give anything, I traded, I bartered, but it wasn't a gift. I didn't give it. We swapped it. I give you money, you give me praise. I give you money, you give me groceries. It's the same thing. It's a transaction. It's not a gift. And if you can't give in good faith, do not give. That's, that's, that's emphasized on the slide for a reason. We as a church are not interested in money for any other reason than worship to God the Father. We use money for real things at the church. But our goal is not to get money for any reason. <laughs> There's one reason, and it's in the upper right of that slide, for God alone. When you write that check, when you drop that cash in, it's for God alone. I'm putting trust and, and some faith in my organization to do right with it, but this is, this is away from me. This was God's money from the get-go. However you work through that in your, in your, in your process of gift-giving and the amount that you're going to give and you work that out between you and God and the Holy Spirit... Advice can be given by the church, but it's not going to come from the pulpit because there is no clear-cut amount or clear-cut cadence. It needs to be in good faith, something you're called to do. If you can't do it, then don't give. Work on that part. Second point, pray as if you're praying to God alone. Prayer meetings are a double-edged sword. I've never been to a church that said, we are not going to do prayer meetings, we are against them. We don't like that much prayer in this church. <laughs> it's never happened. But prayer meetings ebb and flow. In every congregation I've been a part of, we have them from, it goes away, we have them for a while. Prayer meetings, such situations where everybody gets together to share prayer requests and pray as a group very rapidly can devolve into gossip circles, uh, go, uh, devolve into, hey, I got a praise, which is a clo- code word for I've got good news, I want everybody to be happy for me. Uh, I've cloaked it underneath a blessing from God, but we don't know. Right? We don't know if it's a blessing yet or not. It could be a curse that's coming in the, 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 the form of a lottery win that's about to ruin your life for a long season. And here we are. Thanks, God. Thanks, God, for the, the stone that's going to crush me. Probably not what you wanted. But we don't know what to do. That said, praying with our church family is great and important. But the, once again, the manner in which we pray is critical. If we are gathering up as a social group just to hymn and haul and have some fun together, fine. Calling it a prayer meeting, sharing gossip by lifting it up to the Lord, lifting up other people's potentially secret prayer requests. This is not what we're called to do. You know how difficult it is to bring up somebody else's prayer requests if everybody prayed in secret? Spoiler alert, it's impossible. If all of my prayers to God are in my closed room, which is just me and God, then nobody knows what I'm praying for but me and God. So someone can't show up in the meeting and say, hey, so-and-so's you know, going through, they've been praying for this, I want to lift it up on their behalf. It's impossible to do it. And I say, well, then how could we do that in a prayer meeting? If I don't know what everybody's prayer requests are, how could I lift up their prayer requests? (laughs) Thus the conundrum of prayer meetings. I'm not saying we don't share a prayer request. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying we don't lift it up. But when we do that in small communities and we do that in specific settings rather than large meetings or we're bringing up things from the towns and the cities and all kinds of things like that, it's much more effective. It also gives us a chance to pray for one another and family issues that aren't personal prayer issues. Time in prayer meetings would be much better focused if we want to talk about what they would be good for, praying for the church, praying for things that everybody in the meeting has in common to pray for. Let's pray let's pray thanksgiving to God that we're all here today. Let's pray for our community. Let's pray for our upcoming outreaches, right? Let's pray for, for new folks to be raised up to come and join us in this mission outreach if God so leads. Let's pray for steadfast teaching and preaching to continue, right? These are good things in their prayer meetings. But a lot of times we don't want to pray for that kind of stuff. Right? We, we do that in church. Well, what I want to talk about here's the dirt. Anybody know what's going on? Oh, I heard someone over our Musgrave did that. Oh, well, let's lift them up in prayer. Lord, you know what's going on. We don't, even though we really want to. And, But anyway, you know, goodness gracious, that's not what we're called to do. Praying alone makes it easier, but we must always pray to God alone. Praying alone doesn't fix this, all right? I want to make it very clear. Just going into your closet and praying by yourself, if you don't know what you're praying or why, that's not an immediate solution. But it does take away the need to either look boastful or to be a provider of information that you probably shouldn't be providing. a Cloaked gossip underneath the moniker of prayer leader is a problematic title as well. Number three, sacrifice as if you're sacrificing for God alone. This is a pet peeve of mine because I struggle with it. It's difficult for me. I like accolades. I like attaboys. I like doing a good job and for people to recognize the good job that I've done. I like that. But I should be able to sacrifice food, time, effort, etc. without anybody knowing. We are called to be living sacrifices. That would be 100% of us For God. That phraseology is debatable. I appreciate that. But this notion in everything that we do is that without dying, physically dying, we are giving of ourselves, of everything that we are, for God. Fundamentally, sacrifices are intended to replace something in our lives with God. When you fast, it's not just to deprive yourself of food. You don't just stop eating and then wallow in self-pity. You spend that time praying, reading your word. If I sacrifice something for, you know, Lent or whatever that we do this, a lot of times it just became I lived without something. Why? So I could announce everybody that I sacrificed. Many moons ago, I attended a church that everybody in youth group gave up something for Lent. (laughs) I guess this is why. I don't know. We just did it. You know what I gave up? Back in the day, I had a switch that could turn the subwoofers on and off in my car. I turned them off. Until Easter. Well, can you believe the sacrifice church? Unbelievable. Treasures in heaven, right? Utter nonsense. It had nothing to do with God at all. It was just a show. I don't have, I don't have, I have no low end in my car for 30 days. Woe is me. Oh, his face is disfigured. Anoint yourself. That's absurd. This was not a sacrifice. I didn't replace it with God. I replaced it with with praise and worship from other people. I thought it was funny. I didn't even know you had subwoofers. Let me come show you my car style. All this was a segue for me. I wanted to look godly. If If there's not something in your life that you take away and you can put God in its place, then it's not a sacrifice. It's an exchange of goods for services. It's a million other things, but it's not the sacrifice. And when you think about doing something alone and even acting like you're not sacrificing... That may sound kind of counter to what we should be acting like anything. Doesn't that make me a hypocrite? No. It makes you, uh, makes you a follower of God's commands. Let me read it one more time. When you fast, let's just say sacrifice. When you sacrifice, anoint your head and wash your face that your sacrifice may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. This, those are my words because I said sacrifice instead of fasting. But that's right here in the Scripture. If you're going to fast... Don't lean into the fast and show the suffering off. Try to cover that up. Keep it a secret because it's between you and God anyway. Why? So Because we know that our rewards are yet to come. Church, we do not need the approval of the world. Chris, you do not need the approval of the world. I may want it. You may want it. I want people to like me. I want people to trust me. I want people to believe me. I want people to follow me. I want them to be inspired by me. I do want that. I do not need that. I need, absolutely need, the approval of the Father. I need that. I do want that, but I need it. Interestingly enough, in my heart of hearts, because the approval from the Father isn't something I can get immediately, I can't get instant gratification That's going to come eventually. My rewards will be later when I meet the Father in heaven. But I want the instant stuff now. I tend to choose the former. I want the attaboy. I'll say the things that make everybody around me happy. You want to know why churches are in in decline? And they're trending a lot more liberal, starting to edit the Bible and throw things away, do what the Pharisees are doing here? It's, It's because waiting for the approval of the Father is getting too tedious for people. They're just tired of playing the long game. I want it now. I want to hear politicians and people in power tell me I'm doing a good thing and invite me over to this for dinners and celebrate with me. It is cut and dried in these verses. Our reward will come from the Father. And the big spoiler here is the Father is the Father's reward. We're not going to get to heaven and get a big pot of gold and be like, oh, yay, gold, awesome. I'm going to take this to my mansion. I know that's what we see. The, 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 this is real, that there's going to be rewards in heaven. We might get a big pot of gold. We might get a series of crowns, treasures in heaven, all true, all in the Bible. Do you know what we're going to do with those treasures the moment they give them to us? We're going to throw them at the feet of Christ. Oh, here's the crowns you earned. Oh, great. That's for Christ. Here, hey, remember? Remember the fasting you did nobody found out? Yeah, I did it for seven days. Yep. And I kept it a secret. I didn't tell anybody, and I combed my hair. I did all the things. Absolutely. Here's $250 trillion worth of gold. Great, right onto the feet of Christ. Don't need it, don't want to have no use for it. Thank you. But it came from you, and it goes back to you. If you think you can do any of this without Christ, you are mistaken. That's the real trick. This isn't about acting like I want to fast. This is about how can I possibly fast and keep it a secret? How can I pray and give and do it for God and not let myself get in the way? The answer is, you will require God to do that. So what about us? As we transition to a new facility, let's keep this in mind. We do not want to worship, pray, serve, etc. for show. We're going to have some interesting opportunities as we move to wherever God would take us. Maybe new things will start to pop up. New people, new asks, new challenges. We'll do those things for God alone, just like today. Yeah, if you're thinking, well, just like today, I mean, I know for a fact some of these. I've I've heard this Chris guy talk and this and the other. No, 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 I'm not talking about I'm perfect like now. No, no, no. I'm saying our goal as a church is to keep all things that we do for God alone. That will not change no matter where we go. It must not change. Else we fundamentally lose our mission. The reason we say this, and I'm putting it in here, is because it's very easy to lose sight of God's calling and how we minister. If what we want to do is make inroads maximally, we want to get more people to just show up no matter what, then we can start compromising and cutting corners. It's probably going to get done. But we're going to end up in a place where we, we're not where we started, and I don't know if we want to be there. We want to run our services, our church, just like God calls us to in the Word. So the call to action. If you're struggling with God being enough, if you hear this message and say, that's all fine and good, but I can't, I can't do it. I need some feedback so I'm doing good. Actually, that's the reason I'm kind of doing all this stuff. Let's talk. Don't act like it's okay. Don't act like you've got that sorted out. Let's talk. Let's work through it together. I think it's fair to say all of us struggle with this. I know it because it's in the word a lot. Don't boast in anything but Christ. It's a very, very easy trap to fall into where we start doing the things of God for our own benefit. If you're tired of giving and getting nothing in return, let's talk. If you feel like it's not even a spiritual benefit anymore. I sacrifice, I give, I do the things, and I got nothing. I don't even feel like it's a good thing. Let's talk. We don't want that either. We don't want the gift giving to ever feel like a burden, an undue burden, a requirement that you have to live with. If you're tired of trying to keep up with the spiritual Joneses, let's talk, especially if that's happening here. My prayer, of course, is that we don't have anybody in this church that has a a notion of holiness that is something to strive for. In the kind of, it's fair to say, immortal words of Paul imitate me as I imitate Christ. (laughs) That's that's it. Do not imitate me. What we really want to do is imitate Christ. It was a problem then. You find somebody you like, you want to look up to, you want to mimic because you think they've got it all together. Paul does not have it all together. I do not have it all together. Mike does not have it all together. We do not. He said, you can't hear. He said, heavens no. Amen. Right? I'm hanging on by a thread most times. I'm hanging on by a thread on the garment of Jesus. Day by day to get from A to B to do my durness, to live up to the words that I tell you are in the scripture every day. Because the scripture is much more powerful and put together and comprehensive than I will ever be. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's not about being as good as me. It's about being as good as Christ. And that may feel impossible, That's why we need Christ. Lastly, if you're unsure how to begin to give, pray, or sacrifice for God, let's talk. If this sounds completely foreign but tempting, that's a wonderful place to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am thankful that you, you are worthy of our worship, of our giving. You're worthy of our prayer, life. You're worthy of any sacrifice that we can think of because we don't require anything but you, Lord. You are enough. We are not enough without you. But you make us enough. And when we do these things, it isn't about making our lowly selves more respected by the world around us. We want your name to be well-known if we're to be remembered for anything, if we're to be lauded for anything, if we are to boast of anything, let it be for you. And if everything we do is for you, through you, by you, of you, then we can boast of what you've done through us. Not of our works, but of yours. Lord, I pray as we approach any any and all acts of giving that we take this seriously. Lord, I pray if anybody has ever felt by, by, by the church here that, that we have put pressure on them to to give or sacrifice in a way that they felt uncomfortable with or pressure to do so for their own benefit or for the benefit of the church and, and not for you, Lord, I pray. We want to repent of that. We want to reopen those conversations and make it well known that we are here to serve you, Lord. The work that we do is for you and that together as a church, we can do this. We can all work together for you, but at the same time, reach the lost, share the good news, enjoy time together. I'm thankful for this congregation, Lord. Thankful for this body of believers. Thankful for this time of study. Thankful for these challenging passages of Scripture. In this, in your sense, I may I pray? Amen.